just wanna chill and vibe. Soon as baby turn up, you know Buddha gon' turn up. Turn up, turn up, gon' turn up. Soon as baby turn up, you know Buddha gon' turn up. Hey, 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 what's up, sippers? It's your girl, baby. And I'm chilling with the lovely Lavonna Ivory Joseph of Good Enough Novels here in Fayetteville, Georgia, baby. Tell the people what's up. Hi. <laughs> She's covering her face, ladies and gentlemen. No one sees her, okay? You guys don't even understand how we are in another happy place. Her hen place, okay, where all the hens congregate, you feel me? So if you hear the background noise and all of that, you know, sorry, not sorry. We are sitting in an awesome space that's filled with just love and good energy, peace, happiness. If you look outside, I'm going to tell y'all, this background that I'm looking at back here with the trees, the birds chirping, it's just just so peaceful and beyond the trees which is in her backyard and belongs to her is a actual stream y'all don't even understand y'all don't understand Woo! it's a great day to be great so yeah like i said baby is here in fayetteville georgia you gotta say it like that you can't say georgia yeah i say georgia you know i'm here at a writer's retreat that she's having this weekend come up to support my girl you know what i'm saying because my best friend is an author i'm just saying okay. a published author okay so of course i'm here to support so basically what we're about to do is get into a little semi interview so she can give you guys an understanding of who she is and just her creative thought process you know just to get to know lavonna ivory joseph a little bit better government name that is what she is, and that is how you will find her on Amazon and all the above ways of locating her book. Because, again, she is published, so you will be able to find a good enough novel almost everywhere. Okay? Very good. So, we're going to start by Miss Joseph telling you about herself. About myself. Well, I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida, which is where I know baby from home. Um, grew up in Carver Shores, in the west side of Orlando. And um, I am a mom of three, uh, spanning every single generation, 20, 15, and 7. Uh, I'm a slow learner, but uh, I figured out how babies are made, and I put a stop to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, what else about me? Um, I started writing, I guess, about three years ago. Um, I always had a love for literature. 
Uh, maybe it's because my daddy was super strict and I mostly could go to the library. So we um. So what else is about me? Um, uh, United States veteran, right, uh, from the Air Force, and thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, and uh, ironically, I write books about. Uh, someone just told me this this title. I write Roman Arclave, which means uh, art imitating life. Uh, it's a lot. A lot of people. I guess people read it and they pull what they want out of it. Some people say they family novels. Some people say they love novels. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on what you you know where your mind at, where your heart at, what you pull from the books. But that's about uh. Well, what about some of your strengths? Hmm. My strengths. I'm super intuitive. Uh, my grandma should have taught me over on Church Street in Orlando to trust my gut. So I think that's a strength. Um, I don't often second guess myself. I kind of, you know, I guess that could be a weakness also. Yeah, because I want to ask about your weakness yeah. as well. Uh-huh. I, I don't call my weaknesses weaknesses. I call them areas for growth. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's always opportunities. Right. You know, when you put your SWOT analysis together, you know, you have to have opportunities. Yes, yes. So, um, I don't know. I guess my strength is um, I like people. That's good. I'm good with people. And the funny thing you say you like people is because a lot of times, a lot of authors, they're not exactly people friendly. They, they, but they become characters or they create these characters within their books because of their isolation from the general public yeah well i'm one of seven uh brothers and sisters and um i got about 30 40 nieces and nephews (laughs) we can't even count the first cousins so it's hard for me to be isolated because uh I never had the opportunity to isolate (laughs) you're one of seven but which one are you tell the people that I am the baby of seven. <laughs> seven big brothers and sisters who all were like uh, surrogate parents. So, yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. the baby baby. Yes. So, who was the author you most admire? Uh, easily Toni Morrison. Toni uh, Morrison. Live and die for Toni Morrison. Um, I love the layers that she's able to achieve. Uh, it's like every time you read a Toni Morrison book, for me... The bluest eye is close to the Bible for me. I revisit it like every two, three years. But every stage I am in life, I pull something different from her books. And um, if I could ever get to the level of percentage, of infantile percentage of the layers that she able to achieve and still be relatable and approachable, you know. And I love Zordon Hurston because she's not just because she's from Central Florida. But um, a lot because she's from Central Florida. You know, we grew up in Central Florida, being driven uh, with Zora Hurston in our in our blood and our DNA. So um, I like to credit a lot of my uh, of the craft and studying and honoring the craft, and not just turning out books, but actually wanting to be a literature person, a mm-hmm. classic. Mm-hmm. It's because Zordon Hurston from my hometown, so I wanna, you know, I wanna represent Zordon Hurston. So I go, I'm gonna say Zordon Hurston and Tony Morrison. Okay. So would either one of them, or is there anyone a current 
author that you would wish could be your mentor? Oh, yeah. I love Guy Johnson. Guy Johnson is my Angelo's son. And he wrote two of my most famous uh, favorite books, uh, Standing at a Scratch Line and Echoes of a Distant Summer. And right there with him, not a second. Probably actually the first is Bernice McFadden. She followed me back on Twitter and I like lost my shit. I was like, oh my God! And once she like replied to a comment I made and I was just like, okay, Bernice McFadden replied to me. And she wrote, uh, you know, Sugar in This Bitter Earth, which are my go-to gifts. So everybody, whoever got a gift from me at some point, they got sugar in this bit of earth. So I would say Bernie's McFadden. Uh, that's somebody I would love to mentor me. Nice, nice. All right, so this one's going to be a layered kind of question. So you're going to need to take a sip off of that. All right. Okay. All right. If you could ask one successful author three questions about their writing, writing process, or books, what would they be? The three questions to Bernice McFadden would be um, how hard it was for her to balance the the writing and the living in in your head and your imaginary world and bridging that with your real life. Um, like any tips for that? That would be one question. Mm-hmm. A second question for Bernice McFadden is. Um, did she ever go to an unpublished, I mean, the self-publishing route? Or was she, was her first work published traditionally? And um, and now, given that it's 2019, which way did she find most uh, satisfying, I guess? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of, from the technology, the advancement, mm-hmm. you know, from with the world, right? From a point of time when you know these renowned authors and so forth, you know, that's passed on the the style and just the things they endured during their writing process versus now, they they probably saw it. They could probably potentially have seen it, but at that time, you know, they didn't they didn't realize. You know, they old school. They still writing it down. You know, right. and I'm sure modern authors as well as you you know like yourself you're still writing things down but then you also have another tool which is your ipads your macs you know just whatever other technology so now you can literally publish a book from your bedroom you can write something and 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 put it on amazon to sell in 10 15 days there's a lot of authors out there um who put out a lot of material and um and no shade, but you know it's like they doing it because that's their uh, source of their way of life. That's how they make a living. Mm-hmm. So they have to put it out there and, and you know make small what they call like novellas, okay, uh, quick reads. You know, um, and and they probably could be one or two one whole story, but they split it up and sell them for ninety nine cent, a dollar ninety nine, or whatever. Um, but and like I said, you know, it's no shade in them. That's just not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so now, and that's the thing where I would like to know with Bernice McFadden, was it a fact of a choice to go traditional or was there no option when she started? Because um, I know what the first book I wrote, I literally wrote it for my friends and sisters for Christmas mm-hmm. and um, had them bound at Kinko's and FedEx. And uh, <laughs> my sister gave it to an editor 
And uh, the editor comments like, you really, like, this is good. Like, you know, this is really good. You should. So I shopped it around. We did a query letter. I got two offers for traditional publishing. Uh, they were small. That wasn't going to get rich from them. But um, one was they didn't want me to put black people on the cover. My cover had a black woman predominantly on it and a black male in the background. They wanted a coffee shop on the front. And the other one told me they couldn't decide if mine was romance or not. And since I was black, they wanted more, they were expecting more street lit from black authors. So they wanted me to put more sex in what I interpreted was violence. Or some nod to maybe the guy was a, a ex-drug dealer or something. So I was kind of getting uh, frustrated with it. Because it wasn't my intention to write a book for that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm blessed in the sense that I I don't hate my day job, so I was you know I can be like <laughs> whatever. Merry Christmas, y'all got y'all books and we move right, on. Right. But she said, you know what, this ain't 1999. You can do this yourself. You can publish it yourself. I didn't know what that meant, um, but she walked me through it, and uh, I started a kickstart funding program mm-hmm. and raised the money to publish my first book and that's how I got into self-publishing. Okay. And it's funny that, you know, because I, I, I was, when you made the comment about, you know, trying to get it published and then now your thoughts, your creativity is now being molded and shaped to fit something that was not a part of your, your vision. Right. You know, like do, is that a a normal a normalcy in the industry, you know? And do you compromise to, in order to get your work out there? For me, I for me, like I said, I'm in a in a unique position that my day job sees a different side of me mm-hmm. uh, that is also equally important to me as my creative side, is my technical side, mm-hmm. and. Um, I make a good living for me and my family and I don't hate going to work every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to compromise. I can say uh, uh, I'm not going to release this book until I'm proud of it because I don't have to pay the light bill predicated upon how many people buy the book. I mean, I want people to buy the book, but I write for a higher sense in the uh my 15-year-old son was probably about 13 when he said to me, he changed my whole outlook on this writing thing. He's like, you, you, get, my, it's like my kids and my grandkids would be able to actually have something with your name. It's like, oh, grandma was funny or grandma was this. Mm. He's like, everybody like, this is your name. My husband told me the same thing. like, this is going to outlive you for years. If they find out, oh, I'm related to this person and they go to search it, they got tons of content with your name, like, oh, this was my great-great-grandma. Right. And I hadn't even thought about it like that. That make it even more important for me not to be compromising on what I put out. Right. I mean, and you also want to do it for people's actual enjoyment, you know, for right. those readers that enjoy reading and they enjoy engaging and, you know, connecting back to when the soap operas was around, right. you know, and they're still around, but, you know, how the connection was, you know, 
I know you mentioned, you know, there's a character we were looking at and that, you know, that like, I remember that character. I remember him when he, you know, I was watching the soap operas with my grandma, you know. So it's like those things do stick with you. So if you're with someone that's reading for an enjoyment, they're relating, they're connecting and they're, you know, having this, this honor to be able to read the book and they want to and they're like, hey, read the book and they're passing it on. You know, I was just curious as, you know, is it, do you compromise that just to just get yourself out there? You know, because we in this instant gratification world. Right. So, so many things we tend to, I'm saying we, you know, just as a, right. as a human race, we tend to compromise in order to get that, that feel, to get that whatever reward, you right. know, that feeling of a, a reward. When the reality is you just sold your soul, you know, to some right. magnitude for what? Right. And what did you and, get out of it? And that, like, I don't want to, like, pick, you know, on people's motivations or why they do it. Because some people, like, that's their income. Right. So they need to sell and, and put out whatever to sell. Um, where I'm not rich, of course, by any means. But I'm unfulfilled in my other job, too. Mm-hmm. You know, when when my friend fly from Orlando and she make it here safely... I feel like I did my job last week because no planes fell out the air. Right. Um, so, I don't... I'm not in a position that I have to compromise. It's not right. something that I have to do. I feel like if I get to the point where... And I'm speaking for me, not other people. If I get to the point where I'm compromising, that's all ego. It's not for a need to feed my mm. kids to put food on the table and mm. for the lights to turn on. Yeah. So no, I don't. I'm not in a position where compromise is even on the table for me. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take a short break, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to come back with the second part of the interview with the author of Good Enough Novels. All right, Miss Lavana Ivory Joseph. All right. So stay tuned, sippers. What's good, sippers? And we back. So check it. I was. I was. Um smitten (laughs) I was chastised to say the least let me make sure I say her name properly Bonna Ivory Joseph okay get it right get it right baby Bonna Ivory Joseph okay thank you so I've I'm corrected I stand corrected okay and um so now we's we's bad we got our cups not refilled, but we took a breather and um, we're ready. So, Bonna Ivory Joseph, what literary pilgrimage have you gone on, if any? Quite frankly, my uh, my breezeway, my back porch is a bit of a pilgrimage. Uh, because it's, it's so different from the fast pace of the city and the airport. And uh, it feels like I'm a million miles away, but I'm really not. Uh, but I travel. I'm pretty well traveled. I've been um, to several places. I haven't done much South America. I've done a lot of Europe. Oh, I haven't done a lot of Eastern Asia. I've done Southwest Asia, Europe. But I wouldn't call them literary pilgrimages. But pretty much everything in your life. Going to brunch, going to the grocery store, going to your kid's school, all kind of pick up 
and influence what you write about. Okay, that makes sense. And again, I will say the hen cave <laughs> is it's it's very unique in knowing who the Vaughn Ivory Joseph is. It's very tasteful, but not over the top. But it speaks volume. So when she say that she don't have to go far, I mean, and seriously, the backyard, she really can just be in the comfort of her home. So I must agree on that. So what are common traps for aspiring writers? Uh, listening to other people. Uh, listening to other people tell you who you are. What you know, what you can write about, what you can't write about, um, that's a major trap. Um, turning out the product without respecting the craft, without studying, um, you know, feeling like, well, people bought my first book, so I don't need to learn anything else. When the fact of the matter is, should be a work in progress. You always be learning. Yeah. You want every book to be like, oh damn, she stepped her game up. Um, mm-hmm. And and I and I get this from Toni Morrison, an interview from Toni Morrison uh, years ago that really stuck with me. Even before I started writing, was write with the I, with the full firm belief that your readers will meet you where you're writing. So. People are try to, I'm going to use this term and I'll probably get slack for it, but people are try to dumb you down, try to box you in, and try to say, well, how you going to write about somebody climbing Mount Everest and you ain't never been to Mount Everest? Hell, I ain't never been to Paris, but I know the Eiffel Tower, though. <laughs> you, you know, um... Why, why I can't have big dreams? Right, so I think one of the biggest traps is uh, limiting, letting external things limit you because truthfully your imagination is limitless as kids you can't tell a kid ain't no monster under their damn bed <laughs> you can't tell them that you can't tell them that their shoes and clothes don't turn into a monster when the lights go off right it's as we grow up external things and people and experiences tell us to, to think smaller right so i think that's the biggest trap for aspiring writers is um if you want to write about goddamn vampires and and Chicken Frankenstein's do that shit. You have complete sovereignty in your writing, and and complete sovereignty means just that you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, I mean, and fiction, nonfiction, don't let scientific, tell you. you know, science fiction. Right. So there's so yeah. many different yeah. things. Like, what is it that so, you want? And right. I hear a lot of people say, you know, well, I write about the streets because that's what I know. I challenge that you know a lot more. I knew a lot more than Carver Shores, Richard Heights, and New Malibu. Love them to death, but I knew more about shit than just them. Right. You know, I knew the world didn't extend to Livingston and Church Street and, and fell off. So that's what I think the biggest trap is, is uh, letting other people tell you, um, trying to box you in and make you smaller and, you know, thinking smaller. Okay. That was interesting. So what is your writing kryptonite? Oh. <laughs> uh, lack of Adderall. Uh, <laughs> Staying focused. <laughs> yeah, I can't stay focused. Um, 
you know, everything, Candy Crush, shit, uh, Queer Out for the Street Guy, the title, they all distract me. So my writing kryptonite is, uh, I'm pretty susceptible to it. <laughs> like a sponge, just take like, it all in. Did you smell cotton candy? Do you want cotton candy? Let's go get cotton candy. Yeah, so, uh, all right. I'm, I'm simple. <laughs> Don't take much. I got taste, but I mean, I can taste. I got taste for everything. Yeah, it's like a, you know. I'll try let's, that. Let's just ride out and see. Oh, Popeyes, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but we were going to a five star restaurant, but Popeyes sounds so it's much like, better. Can you smell that chicken? <laughs> Here's a little shameless plug. Love that chicken from Popeyes. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, so. How did publishing your first book change your writing process, if this applies? Oh, I'm probably going to regret even sharing this. (laughs) But my first book is by far my most popular book. Um, 50-some-odd, five-star reviews. People love it. And let let me say this first. The story is is important it's a great story i love my characters they started it off they kicked off everything but technically as a writer i was not very good so good enough um which is the first book ladies and gentlemen yeah was my shame uh so when people like oh i heard you write books or they'll say Oh, I brought your book on the airplane. But what was the first one? I'm like, uh, don't bother with that. <laughs> but so, um, and Quan, uh, baby, she don't even know this, but I went back and rewrote good enough. Not anything in the story. I didn't change anything in the story, but the technical things. So a lot of readers, I didn't know where it wasn't good technically mm. until I learned more. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, my God, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And every time I saw it, those things glared at me. And I didn't pick those up until, like, my fourth book. I was four books in when I started realizing, oh, I did that all wrong. So, um, uh, yeah, from okay. my first book, I have learned a lot about the craft. But it goes hand in hand with, like we said earlier, you know, you should be learning something new. Right. And so here's a here's an area that is new. You you know you it's nothing. It's not the same as yes. I love reading. I read. I read. I you know I soak it up. Now I'm writing. Right. So to you know you don't think about it. The all these blocks that that author may or may not have and that's why I asked earlier about your mentor because that may be something they could have given you a tip on right? if they even had that issue or even thought about it themselves you know well even with Tony Morrison you can see her progression from Jazz and Tar Baby to Song of Solomon and, and, and Beloved and Love it's like she learned more about the subtleties of layering in those stories. Mm-hmm. So three of us can read Song of Solomon and get to the table and talk about completely different aspects of that book mm-hmm. and look at each other like, what? Yo, yeah, I guess so. 
So even in her, and uh, to me, she she liked the Holy Grail. Um, you can see her progression as a writer from her first books to. And you're gaining books. more confidence. Yeah, you right. Know? You're right. getting the feedback. You're involved in more Perfect. organizations and yeah. thing. You know, and, and, and mentor groups and just right. things like that, where you actually you know collaborating with other authors that are making the mistakes or just right. learning and so you start picking up well let me go back and look through my books right so like, is, i'm assuming that is, helps as well which is how i'm here with hosting a retreat because when i started not the first book because the first book i was just you know i was young and dumb just like i'm gonna write about this girl and um then by the second and third when I was learning, it was like, I wish I had somebody to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody could teach me this. Or if I could just meet at Starbucks and we could all talk about the things in writing. And I didn't have that. I didn't have a, a village of mm-hmm. writers. Okay. So it was important to me to, you know, create what I didn't have, what I wish I had had. So, you know, you say that's, I never thought about it, but you're absolutely right. The more you learn, the more you know the bottom line. And I just want to be a vessel for that. Um, so I can share with a young girl first time, her first book, like, oh, pay attention to this. Because <laughs> as long right. as you, you're selling the readers who don't know the technical aspect, but if you start wanting to market your book, you want book reviews for people who are also writers or editors, and they'll get turned off by mm-hmm. the technical stuff, the structure, dialogue, how it's formatted. They'll say, "Oh, this crap! I don't want to read this," and and they they won't get through the story. So right. it's important. It is, but then it also depends on your audience. You know, I mean, it's helpful no differently than an actor, a mechanic, or you know. A, president of a company right you know you have to just be amongst that right so that you can start picking up on what's happening in the industry what's happening in this area what's happening geographically just you know what the demographics are who's 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 the sample audience you know what i mean so and i also liken it to like with your kids you set a bar where you set the bar Mm -hmm. and i mean you don't want your kids you don't want to say oh i just want him to I just want him to pass to the next grade. I don't care if he passed with a D average. I just need him to get to that grade. Then you got the people who are like, no. For me, I spend money on tutors. Right. And so I'm going to need more than a goddamn D average when I'm dropping $150 a month. Yes. I, 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 that's not going to work for me. Yes. So it's the same thing with my writing. Because my audience is like, oh, this is great. I love this. I wanna, I wanna challenge them too, mm-hmm. because growing up in Carver Shores and being there at the Lala Mitchell Library, and I read Weathering Heights. I had no concept of England. I wanted to go see those cliffs in England. That drove me. That fed right. me to travel because of the stuff I read in books. Mm-hmm. I never heard yeah. of a, a lake community that Black people own. That's what I read in Toni Morrison. So okay. I want to write stuff where people can, well, you can see yourself as a black woman. Shit, maybe I can go to Paris and meet the love of my life. Why not? Why you got to meet the love of your life just got out of jail and the best known drug dealer in your neighborhood and y'all go together? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. 
So because things happen, you know, yeah, people I evolve, mean, and, and then sometimes you read stuff, yeah. and it might spark something that you never considered that could be for you. I want to do that. I want to. That's what I want to write. I don't want to just write at where I am. I want to write to. This gonna sound lofty, but I want to write to inspire because I was inspired by somebody writing. Okay. So your last question. As a writer, what would you choose as your mascot, your avatar, or your spirit animal? An elephant is my spirit animal easily. Because uh, the elephant is like the fierce mama, you know, on the plains. And um, I'm a I'm an animal geek, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I binge watch Animal Planet and um, Discovery Channel. Like right now, I'm like so hyped because it's Shark Week. <laughs> but um uh so an elephant is so much about community like mama elephant don't care about being the leader she but she's strongest when her whole tribe when her whole herd is together okay when all her kids together a mother elephant raises her kids to go away but they always come back together once a year and that's when she the most fierce. Like, nobody, ain't no lions, nobody fucking with her when her kids and everybody back home. Got it. Okay. That spoke to me that you can walk around as big as you want to be, badass as you want to be, but don't nothing fuel you like having your whole tribe, your whole herd with you. So um, I'm going to go with the elephant as my spirit animal. Nice. Wow. What a way to end an interview. Wow. So we all now know a little bit more about Miss Vanna Ivory Joseph, the author of Good Enough Novels. Actually, I want to spring one spontaneous question in. Um, of your novels, of your stories, who's your one of your favorite characters? Oh. Can I pick a boy and a girl? Yeah. Okay. My favorite boy is Kamani by far. I actually had a little crush and I felt incestuous. I was like, but he's my baby. I can't like him. Um, so Kamani is my favorite guy uh, by far. Um, not by far. I like all of them, but Kamani, I got a special relationship with Kamani uh, from Fonda and Tazaki. And my favorite uh, female character. I know who mine is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I wanna I wanna know who yours is, but mine is I think mine may be Isaiah from Catois. She's okay. very complicated. Okay. So okay. my female, I don't I can't remember the name and that's my fault because I'm bad with stuff like that. But I definitely I mean for as, as far as a male is concerned, um, but definitely uh my my female is going to be sunrise sunrise is definitely um she's my girl and then she and and who's the other guy what's the guy with farah say his name oliver oliver i like i you know i got this weird i don't know i got a crush on oliver You know he's he's you know he's he's he got potential. He got in, in Buddha words potential, you know, to be so much more. He just had to have a little push, and he had he has a, a a great story behind you know his his journey. 
and yeah, he he by far is my I'm most proud of Oliver's art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that those are my two for man and woman of the good enough novels. So you got to be able to uh, to know these characters. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. I am. Um, my website is vonajoseph.com. It's Vonna, just like Donna, but with a V. Uh, vonajoseph.com. Um, this is so horrible, but I'm a creative. I'm not a business person. My, uh, I guess I'm on social media, Facebook, social media, Facebook. Instagram. I'm on. Um, I'm at author. She lives. Ivy Joseph. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, it's uh, the Good Enough. Uh, Novels, yes, Page. good enough. Good novels. enough novels. What an S, yeah. yes, good make sure novels. you add the S. And then, if you search Vonna Ivory Joseph or Vonna Joseph yes. on, in, on, on, on Google, right. you'll, be to, you'll be able to uh, find her on either of those different platforms. And so, this weekend, as I said in the beginning. Uh, we are here because we are going to be doing a little writer's retreat. I don't want to say little, but we're doing a writer's retreat. Um, and the reason for the writer's retreat was, as she mentioned throughout the interview, was to allow for creative minds to come together collectively and, you know, just be better. Have a platform have an opportunity to bring their 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 individual levels of creativity into a place and just get recommendations and suggestions from others that are just, you know, or just be a voice of reasoning for someone. So that's what we are here doing while I'm here in Fayette Beyond Georgia. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to sign on out. This is Baby of Sipping in Conversations.